Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. Please remain standing for the reading of our scripture lesson, which comes from Matthew chapter 25. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. At once, the one who had received the five talents went off and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jack, for the reading of our scripture this morning. Jack is one of our wonderful youth and very active in the church, and so he did a fantastic job. I want to just share a few things this morning. First, uh, wonderful music today. Thank you so much for your gift of music. It's what helps us worship our God, and you do a tremendous job, so thank you for that. I also want to acknowledge our stewardship committee. So if you are on our stewardship team, if you will just take a moment and stand so that we can acknowledge you um, and just say thank you for all of your hard work. Please stand. There we go. I know that a number of them have been helping with the uh, reception immediately following the service, and so we're very grateful for all of that. I also want to make mention that at the beginning of the stewardship campaign, the leadership team met. We met at Suzanne Cawthorn's home, Suzanne and Will Cawthorn's home. She is the chair of stewardship, and we made our financial commitment at that time. So a lot of the leadership of this church, who sits on our church council and on our stewardship team, have already made their financial commitment for 2024, and I'm very, very grateful for that gift that they have given thus far. 
I was at a, um, a banquet this week, Wednesday, I was at the Buckhead Club, and it was for Wesley Woods, and I received um, a gift or an award on your behalf, and I wanted to share that with you. In appreciation to Marietta First UMC for the largest per member giving from the Central West District, District Churches to the Mother's Day offering of Wesley Woods for 2023. So congratulations on your generosity. I was like this, that's great. I was excited and I was proud to receive that on your behalf. It is a good day in the life of the church and I am so glad to see each of you here. Um, it shouldn't be surprising, but I, I enjoy Commitment Sunday. I think it's important and it's such a joyous occasion when we can give of our financial resources to the church and to the Lord. As I begin this morning, as we consider the parable of the talents, the first thing that I want to do is I want to take you back in time just a little bit. I want you, of course, we're talking about legacy, so it makes sense that we would go back in time. And I want you to think about the year 1984. Yes, 1984. And I want you to think about some things that are related to the year 1984. Not George Orwell's book, 1984. And some of you may not be able to recollect anything, and some of you probably weren't even born. But I was an 80s kid, and there were some things that happened in 1984 that I want to share. The words that I want you to remember are the names that I want to share with you. The first is Nike, and the second is Michael Jordan. So Nike was not really a word that I knew as a kid in the 1980s, and I knew nothing about Michael Jordan in the year 1984. For me, I had a pair of Reeboks. That was the shoe of the time, and everybody had to have a pair of Reeboks. Now, Adidas was popular, and so was Converse, but those were more for the athletes. But the Reeboks were for those who maybe wanted a little bit more style. But something happened in 1984 between Nike and Michael Jordan. In fact, it revolutionized athletic wear, not just for athletes, but for people who were interested in style. What happened also revolutionized the marketing of athletes and created a cult of personality all around a tennis shoe, a sneaker. The story is highlighted, and maybe you've seen it. It's on Prime Video, and it's called Air. If you have not seen it, I encourage you to see it and go watch it. It tells the story of how Nike took a risk and reaped the biggest reward and made history. For those of you who may not know the story, I'll give a very brief recap. Michael Jordan was an up-and-coming basketball player, and he is now a household name. It's hard to imagine not knowing his name. Athletic wear companies were signing athletes to promote their brand, and Jordan really wanted to go with Adidas. He wanted to go with Adidas, but Adidas was reluctant to sign Michael Jordan because they claimed he was too short. <laughs> they liked the really tall basketball players. But some even speculate that if Adidas had offered Michael Jordan a portion of the sale of his athletic shoes, then we might not ever have heard of Air Jordan athletic shoes, which today almost 
40 years later, still top the number one brand and bring in billions of dollars annually. But the most extraordinary part of this story isn't actually about Michael Jordan. It's about Nike. It's about the executive, Sonny Vaccaro, who had to convince his bosses to put a risk at taking their budgeted number, which was $250,000, and putting it all in one athlete. They had three bins that they would throw their money into for their athletes, and they had to convince them to put it all in one basket for Michael Jordan. Now, they had already laid off 25% of their staff, and the company was in a slump. They needed a boost, and they needed to take a risk. So, they invested all of their resources and went to great lengths to sign Michael Jordan, who didn't even want to go with Nike. And Nike did something unprecedented when they made the offer to Jordan. They gave him a five-year contract with a base salary of $500,000 a year, and then they gave him a 5% royalty entitlement on every pair of Air Jordan shoes that were purchased. They created a shoe specifically for Michael Jordan. Today, Michael Jordan is worth $3 billion and recently made the Forbes Top 400. And Nike is still on top. Why am I telling you this? Why am I sharing this? Because the story of Nike is about a, taking a risk. They took a risk on someone who was unknown to them, a big risk, and they put an extraordinary, exorbitant amount of money into this. Now, it could have crashed and burned on them. It could have ruined their reputation. It could have caused their market value of all their other items to completely fall. But instead, they took a risk, and it brought great reward. Not just financial risk and reward, but for their brand as well. Their brand was at stake, too. Instead, they built an empire, and they grew their legacy. No risk. No reward. It's easier said than done. When I hear stories like this, I'm incredulous. I love Michael Jordan, by the way. But I love stories like this because they took a risk. And it is almost too much to comprehend because I think, I'm not speaking for you, I'm speaking for myself, I often play it safe. I like to play it safe. The older I get, the more safe I want to be. And it's hard to want to take a risk. It's almost as if the young people are the ones that can take risks, but the older we get, the more we feel uncomfortable with taking that risk. Maybe we're risk averse. Well, I think sometimes when we don't take a risk, it's because we, don't, we know more is at stake than meets the eye. Last weekend, I want to um, mention this to Reverend Dan Brown. I appreciate him stepping in for me. He did a, a wonderful job. I listened to his message, 
and he texted me this morning. He is in Niagara Falls with his wife, Carol, and he made sure to tell me that he turned in his commitment card. <laughs> but you know that's a friend when, when your preacher friend will preach for you on stewardship. But the reason I was out last weekend was because Ted and I went to a wedding in North Carolina at Sunset Beach. One of our longtime friends, their son was getting married. He was a friend of our, our son growing up, and they got married there. And it was an interesting, it was an interesting time for us. It was great for us to be together with everyone. But I learned a lot about some of the young people. They are, the couple that got married is, is 29, and he and his fiance, now wife, actually live in Puerto Rico. They live in Puerto Rico because apparently there are financial benefits to living in Puerto Rico, and he works for Deloitte. And so as a result of that, he wanted to make sure that he had the best financial <laughs> benefits. And he, um, he is an interesting and wonderful young man, and they don't even know where they're going to go next. His sister traveled up the coast of California, she's 27, by herself, hiking. I also learned this about young people, that some of them there live in Airbnbs a month at a time. They live in an Airbnb a month at a time and they live all over the country. Some of them even live on people's couches. They call it surf, couch surfing. And there was one who was gonna couch surf all up the co East Coast. Now, I hear those things and that is risky business for me. There is no way that I would be able to do that. But they do that, it's risky, it's risky. One place that causes great stress, I think, for us is if we're parents. We get stressed and there's risk with our children and we wanna protect them and we don't want them to get hurt, whether physically or emotional, and there's great risk when they do things. There's also great risk, I think, when you go and you sit down with your financial planner. I don't know if we have any financial planners in the room, but when you sit down with your financial planner, I know when I do, my heart starts to skip a beat because I'm like, oh my gosh, is it gonna be bad? Have we taken too much risk? Have we taken too much risk? There was an article in the Cobb Business Journal about considering the financial considerations of a second home. Now, no, Ted and I are not purchasing a second home. But it was interesting because in that article, the columnist who is a financial planner said this, that the relationship investors have with their financial advisors often goes beyond conversations about more than just their money. They often find themselves in the role of counselor, therapist, and the voice of reason. And I would even say that they also help be the dreamer with you as you dream about your future. Financial planners help us not just address the risk, but also the reward. Where do we wanna put our investments? How much do we wanna risk? Do we wanna plan for retirement? Are we gonna risk planning for maybe a car or an education, or a vacation, or maybe even investing in that second home. But the old adage is true, no risk, no reward. And Jesus knew this. He knew this, and he taught this, because he knew that being a disciple of Jesus Christ required some risk-taking. 
And this is what we talk about when we hear about the parable of the talents. It's a popular one for stewardship, and you can see why. A man is going on a journey, and he entrusts his slaves, his servants, with his money. To one, he gives five talents. To one, he gives three talents. And to one, he gives one talent according to their ability. And so, the first and the second go and invest those talents, and they double their investment. They double their investment. And the third one does something a little bit different. The third one actually takes it and puts it in the ground. That's equivalent to taking your money and putting it in a jar or stuffing it in a mattress. And essentially what he's doing is he's losing money because you have to consider inflation and the cost of living. So the master has actually lost money because of that lack of investment. So the master returns and he has a smile on his face and he's excited to see and to hear all the ways that his three servants have invested his resources. And so the first two servants are excited and they are praised because they have done great things and they have invested and doubled the profits. And he pats them on the back and he says, well done, good and trustful servants. You have been good with little, I will give you more. Enter into the joy of your master. When we hear these words, we often forget, I think, that they are words that reflect the financial management of the kingdom of God. The parable of the talents is one that causes me, at least, to scratch my head because instead of asking us to give all of our possessions away, instead of mandating us to give to the poor, instead of chastising us about the evils and the love of money, this parable is about investing and making sure that we get a return on our investment. Frederick Beekner says, what we learn about the parable of the talents is that playing the market will get you further than playing it safe. And we see that with his third servant. He does not invest the money. He's angry. He's resentful. He's judgmental and he lives in fear. And when the master comes back, he arrogantly throws it back in his face. He risks nothing. And as a result, as a result, there is no reward. And yet it costs him everything. It costs him everything. Because the master sends him to the outer darkness and calls him wicked and lazy. Some have said that the third slave's fatal flaw has nothing to do with the fact that he did not invest the talents, but the fact that he misjudged the master, and that the master is not harsh, that he is generous, and sometimes we fail to see this. After all, everything that we have, our entire life and all of our possessions belong to God. Stewardship is risky business. 
And it requires us first to understand that all that we have and all that we are are a gift from God and that there is much that is required of us. As we conclude our stewardship emphasis to grow the legacy, some of you might be sighing, breathing a sigh of relief. Oh, thank God. It's good to see you up here. We don't have to talk about money anymore. I have no problem talking about money. I'm gonna fit through here. Because we need money. We do. I need money. You need money. I need money to pay my bills. I need money to put food on the table, a roof over our heads. We need money. We need money to survive. Money is part of life. It's just the way it is. But the same is true for the church. The church needs money, and we heard about the light bill, the power bill, just this space alone costs money. It's not glamorous, I know. I know it's not glamorous. I don't want to pay the light bill either. I would rather, you know, give to missions. But missions takes place in this facility that costs money to keep up. So we need money. We need money. And it's risky. It's risky. No risk. No reward. So one of the things that we've been doing here in the church that I think a number of folks have been asking about is our strategic plan. The last couple Sundays, you've been hearing about the details of the strategic plan. The strategic planning committee came together. We came up with this wonderful strategic plan, and we have been sort of unpacking it over the last 12 months. We have teams that are working on various things, and I want to share a little bit about that with you this morning. The first is this, that we have some areas of focus. Prayer ministry is one of them. You are hearing more and more about prayer ministry. The second one is discipleship. Our discipleship team is actually in the process of planning and launching small group ministries in the new year, and you'll be hearing more about that. The third focus for our strategic plan is our hospitality. It's to live into our vision statement that we want to be a welcoming church. And to be a welcoming church, we need to have extravagant hospitality in every aspect of our ministry. We do that with new members and we do that with guests. And so part of our focus is also hospitality. Our focus is young families. And so we're investing in our children's ministry. We've had talk about a young adult ministry and a college age ministry. This all takes talents. It takes financial resources. If we want a vibrant children's ministry, invest. If we want a, a program for our youth and for them to want to invite their friends to our youth program, invest. If we want a young adult in our college age ministry, invest because when we're investing, we're investing in the future. But the one thing that I get asked about a lot is the modern worship service. What about the modern worship service? So we had a team from the Strategic Planning Committee that they volunteered and said, I want to be a part of that. And so we have a committee that's been working on a modern worship service. And that is this. We've come together. We've been meeting for about four months. We have identified those churches that we think are similar to Marietta First. And we have tasked the lay people to go and they have visited these churches. They've come back and they've reported. We've taken those churches and we've identified 
those churches that we want to follow up with, we have followed up with those churches, those leaders, and those pastors. And so now we know what we're dealing with, and the next step in that process is next week, we have our church council meeting, and I'm going to take our findings to the church council meeting because we're going to invest in a modern worship service. And that's not to take the people that are here and put them someplace else. The modern worship service is for those who are not yet here. We have to come up with ways as a church to attract young people, to attract the de-churched, to attract the unchurched, to attract the nuns, those who are spiritual but non-religious. It's the task of every church. And we do that by using our talents, our financial resources to do that. And so the church is going to be in the new year, 2024, looking into the ways that we can continue to invest in the legacy here at Marietta First United Methodist Church. And it's gonna take some money. It's gonna take your talents. It's gonna take your time. It's going to take an investment. In just a moment, in just a moment, you're gonna be asked to come forward and turn in your commitment for 2024. And you have a choice. You can be like the first and the second servant, and you can put in an investment. Or you can be like the third servant, and you can cross your arms and say, I'm not given anything, maybe even being just a little bit angry about it. It's your choice to do that. Because I don't know about you, but when I face Jesus, <laughs> I want to hear the words. In fact, I long to hear the words. <laughs> well done, good and trustful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. I want to hear those words. Don't you? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at mariettafumc.org or on Facebook at Marietta FUMC.